This is the Airport Experience News Podcast, and I'm Ramon Lowe, the publisher of AXN and the host of this pod. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the many of you who have subscribed and listened to the podcast. I am truly grateful. Um, I was just at the ACI conference in Tampa and was really touched with how many of you came up to me to talk about the pod. And one question that came up actually a couple times was about taking listener questions. I thought, this is a great idea. I don't even know why I didn't think about it until someone asked me about it. So we're going to fix that. Send your questions to Ramon at airportxnews.com. That's my email. And in the subject line, just put in podcast question or podcast questions, and I'll just get into the habit of reading and answering them at the conclusion of upcoming episodes. Now, I can say who the questions are from, or you can just give me an alias or something to protect your identity, whichever one you want. But most of all, uh, let's try to keep the questions professional. Let's try to keep them light and, you know, even fun if possible. So this is episode 61, and here I chat with Stan Thornton, the COO for the Greater Orlando Aviation Authority. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I was on my way to ACI uh, in Tampa, and I actually decided to first stop by Orlando to check out everything that they've got going on there, because they've truly made some awesome improvements to the environment, and I'm not going to lie, there's still a lot of kidding me. (laughs) I actually enjoyed taking the automated people mover from the parking garage into the terminal, You can find that on my Twitter feed. I did a quick uh, time-lapse video. It was really cool. Anyway, I spoke with Stan about these improvements, the airport's role and impact on the local economy, the airport's growth and traffic, and more. So here is my conversation with Stan Thornton. So I'm here with Stan Thornton, the COO for the Greater Orlando Aviation Authority. Stan, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. No problem, um, so, I don't know if you're aware, we were here, uh, at least the conference was here over a year ago. Thank you for the support on that. And we did a tour of the facilities, which was great. Thank you for uh, to, to Tracy and her team for organizing all that. And I remember being really excited to see what the finished product was going to look like. And I came in um, really impressed riding the APM into the <laughs> terminal. I'm still a kid. I actually enjoyed that, believe it or not. Um, but I was really impressed with all the facilities here. Uh, clean, new, bright, um, just uh, r- unbelievable. So the purpose of why I wanted to come here and speak with you is really talk about um, what's going on here at Orlando International Airport. Um, you guys obviously known as a tourist destination. That's a given. That's always going to remain. We're a sunshine state. But also, um, you know, you have a, a thriving convention center business. I mean, there's a lot of other things besides being known as a tourist destination, correct? Correct. So Orlando's grown up a lot over the years when we started. Mainly we were known for uh, leisure and with the theme parks, but since those times, since the late 1970s, we've grown dramatically. When we first opened this airport, we had about 6 million annual passengers when we did the phase one of what you see here today. Over the years, we've done a couple of uh, renovations. We've also done some expansions. In the, late, uh, seven, or in the late 80s, we started on a major expansion, which increased this airport by 64% from what its original wow. size was. So that brought us up to where we were designed to handle about 24 million annual passengers. Um, the terminal you sit in today is basically that same footprint. So what we've done is we've used technology, we've used customer service to meet our growing passenger needs. And just to put that into perspective, when this airport was designed in this air, in this footprint that you're in today for 24 million annual passengers, we're going to cross 50 million annual passengers sometime later this fall. Okay, <laughs> so you may wonder, how do we do that? Well, we do it with 
technology. We do it with putting the people first out there and the way we process people through. So some of the improvements you've seen, for example, on the ticket counters is the first place you come in is off the curb is to process you through. If you'd have been here before we did the renovation, you would have saw all the lines out there, the queue lines to go back and forth. So you may be a business passenger that needs about 10 minutes at the counter behind a family who's not used to traveling, needs some help. They may be up there for 20 minutes. What we did and what you see out there is we expanded the ticket counters. We actually moved the outer wall out another 24 feet. Okay. And we split up the queues. So you're not in these long queues out there anymore. You see these kiosks. So we tried to personalize the journey. If you're a business passenger coming in and you only need that 10 minutes, you're in the kind of a line or in the same area that other 10-minute passengers are. If you're that family that needs 20 minutes with a ticketing agent, you're in the typical um, ticket counter line. So that's how we improved the throughput without really increasing the space a whole lot. We gave it a facelift. We modernized it. We've gone from where you're just one of maybe 40,000 passengers going through here today that this is your journey. And that's been our focus along with the Orlando experience that's been our guiding light since 1977, which says passengers first, you know, we build this airport around passengers, not just aircraft. And so what we've done is we've added light, we've added fauna, we've added technology now. That's a new part of the Orlando experience. The other part is you may see some people out there with some gold vests and jackets, and there are ambassadors, and they're there for those who are looking, maybe can't read the signage just right, don't know their way around, not used to it, to walk up to you, see that quizzical face or quiz on your <laughs> face, and say, "Can I help you?" And that's what they're there for. But we we did more than that. We took mm -hmm. that customer service experience and put it across to all 25,000 people who work here at the airport, and went through customer service training. So whether you're a janitorial service whether you're the CEO or the COO or whether you're a manager or whether you're working on maintenance and changing light bulbs, if you see a passenger that looks confused, your number one task is to walk up to them and ask you, ask them, how can we help you? So that's how we've expanded this airport from, you know, about 24 million annual passengers to where we're at 50 million annual passengers right now. Now, every, no one likes surprises, but that's a pretty good surprise. I'm assuming that you were forecasting for 24 and you're going to cross 50 million in what, like several weeks right. <laughs> or so, right. right? I mean, that's a welcome surprise. It is. It is a welcome surprise, and it's great for the community because we're that conduit. We're that gateway for the community. We're your first experience. We're your last. So we see it as we don't generate the business, but we support the business, and we want the customer to return. So... When you come to Orlando, you may have had a great time at the theme park. You may have had a great business trip. Um, you may have came here for arts or for some of the medical city things that we're doing with the medical community. We want that experience to be great when you get here, and we want it to be memorable when you leave. So we're trying to create what we've dubbed the wow experience when you come to Orlando. So when we go into the South Terminal, you're going to see some things there that you're not going to have seen at other airports. Um, before and a little bit of that starting to show up in the north terminal if you go out mm -hmm. to our concessions now you'll start to see large video media walls that are out there they're not for commercials but they're to give you that flavor of what orlando is about and what that particular retailer is about they're not sitting there just doing advertising they're to give you that customer feel they are photo points mm -hmm. for people to take pictures or sit there and watch while this is going on. You know, I so I drove in, live in West Palm, uh, took me a couple hours, really easy drive. And one thing I noticed, and maybe this is a very, very small thing, but uh, I parked in the, in the garage and there are signs that say, okay, this is a row C8, C whatever. And then there's a 
a little symbol decal, like to take a picture mm -hmm. of it. Cause you know, I do it anyway, but it's a great little reminder. I mean, it again, that's just, it's a tiny thing, but to me, when you're talking about the overall experience for uh, for a passenger, it's those little things that I personally appreciate, honestly, and I'm, and I'm glad that you guys uh, have incorporated that. Yeah, I'm glad you've, you've noticed those because we're trying to take the anxiety out of traveling. Yes. Because yeah. it's hard enough to travel. You're gonna set on an aircraft anywhere from two to 14 hours, depending where you're going. And you can go just about anywhere in the world from Orlando International. You can get just about anywhere from the world for Orlando International. So part of what we're doing with what we've done with the ticket counters, you notice the media walls that are mm -hmm. up there. They're partly to give you information about your airline, but they're also there to give you relaxation. You'll see pictures of Orlando, Lou Gardens, the St. John's River, the Blue Springs. Um, you also see some fun things, kind of like cartoonish, what we call wireframe that show Orlando, the Kennedy Space Center that's here. Um, and then we have, you know, games for the kids, you know, find Fred the fish. <laughs> and then we have our newest ambassador, which we call Annie the astronaut. And you may see her out there. And Annie won't just be on those ticket back walls. She'll be on your journey all the way through from the curb out to your gate and back. I like that because, you you know, again, um, the experience, we say at Airport Experience News, we cover everything from curb to gate, right? And usually the forgotten piece is just like the ticket counters. So we refreshed it, nice coat of paint maybe some pictures, but something that's engaging other than, you know, stuff that you'd find on a FIDS display or something. I think that's that's a great addition, honestly. Yeah, and we try to put those any place where there's some dwell time because we know when you're, you're on the move, you're really not interested in being distracted. Um, but we put them where you may have some time. You may be waiting at the ticket counter, and so your children can watch that. One of the or adults or adults. <laughs> well, one of the one of the favorite things I saw is after we put the uh, uh, monitors up on the behind the ticket counters, saw this father who was obviously in a hurry trying to walk down the ticket counters to his airline, and his three-year-old child pulling back, going, "Wait, wait, hold on!" And she was trying to finish watching what was on the media screen. So. Well, I've you know I've been traveling with two children, so not just me, my wife and I, so I, I can appreciate trying to make the, the, you know, the security and having children to kind of tow along. Um, no, that's, like I said, it's a, it's a welcome addition. I'm going to be touring the, uh, the airport later, again, just to kind of see everything. And, I, and honestly, I truthfully cannot wait to kind of see that type of improvement. Sure. So you mentioned earlier, and I've, I, I read this on the site, that you had uh, a rise, a pretty significant rise in international traffic. And I guess now that almost, it, it coincides with all the work that you guys have done to kind of like, you know, uh, pretty much uh, bring a new experience to the, to, to the airport. First of all, my question is, what does, what does your ratio to domestic and international look like, passenger traffic look like? And um, I'm assuming because it has risen that you guys have taken that into account as far as how, the, um, how you want your pass the passenger experience to be from concessions to the lights to fauna, et cetera. Yeah, so it, it used to be that international traffic was about 10% of our overall traffic here. But over the last 10 years, it's risen to where it's over 15%. There's been over a, about 250% increase in international traffic. But when we talk about 50 million annual passengers, um, because of the smaller number, international used to increase by about 15% per year, 12% per year. But now our domestic is growing as well. So our domestic is very dynamic, and both of them are growing around 7 to 8% annually. But 
as we said today, about 15% of our traffic is international. And they're both growing 7 to 8%. And like they're both said, growing annually. 7 to 8% right now annually. And, and you've got to compare the numbers when we were, the numbers I gave you before, you know, we're mm -hmm. ten, less than 10 years ago. Well, actually in 2014, we're only at 35 million annual passengers, if that gives you. No, when you say point. only. Only. <laughs> only 35 million annual passengers. Yeah. And at that time, we were second to Miami in the state of Florida for size of airports. Well, we surpassed them along the way. And like I said, now we're at, at 50 million. I mean, you have a lot of uh, great carriers too, right? I, I, we do. We have, we have 16 uh, what we call really primary carriers here at the Authority and then over 42 airlines altogether that fly in and out of here either seasonally or on a regular basis. Do you have one, uh, do you have, uh, I don't want to say a dominant carrier, but I mean sure. one that might have... Yeah, we are not a fortress hub. We're an OND airport. We have a lot of airlines. Our largest uh, percentage-wise carrier is Southwest Airlines. But saying that they're the largest percentage, their percentage is around 25% of the overall traffic that's, that's here. That's still pretty So, And then, then you look at the next ones that come up, and they're in the 16 to 18% range. And so anywhere between that 12 to 18% is where the rest of the probably 14 dominant carriers are. So um, going back uh, to something you mentioned, you guys are using more tech Right, um, and then that coincides with obviously the rise in international traffic, which has been going up seven to eight percent annually for some time. Again, does that kind of like um, does that did that impact your approach, the airport that is approach to how you want to engage those folks it, as you're getting more international? Traffic? It does because you know being constrained in the size that we are, international is one of the things that feels those constraints to begin with. So we partnered with the Customs and Border Protection of the federal government. Mm -hmm. and uh, actually developed along with them what we call biometric entry. And what that does is instead of you having to get all your documents out and, and have an interface, an interview face-to-face -face with the officer downstairs as you're entering the country, we have now where it takes a picture of you, it doesn't hold that picture, and it doesn't have anything that you already haven't given the federal government, so there's no privacy concerns there. But it takes your picture as you're walking up, in, in that amount of time, in just a few seconds, it clears you to come into the country. So we've greatly enhanced where um, the throughput time coming through the federal inspection stations have been increased by capacity. Was by there many a bit times. of a bottleneck there? Yeah, there was. There's always been a bottleneck. It can take up to an hour to process through there. We've got that down to you know just about 30 to 40 minutes on a good day, and, and on, a, on a bad day, it can be more than that, depending on but how we are, we don't want to think about in. the bad days, but yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> so one of the things we've done for our international passengers, because you may have been on a flight anywhere from a minimum of six to 14 hours coming in, is when you get off that aircraft, we, we, we don't want to put you into an unwelcoming space. So we've redone our federal inspection stations downstairs, just completed that. It took us about three years to do it, because we did it while they remained active. Um, they're bright, they're light, they're much more welcoming than they used to be, and then we've added that biotechnology that will process you faster. So your time of waiting in line is less than what it used to be because we actually, if you remember, the, there's a yellow line where you're not supposed to cross until the, the officer tells you to come across. We had to move the yellow line closer to the booth because it took longer for the passenger to walk from the line to the booth than it did to process the passenger in front of them. Okay, that gives you, gives you an idea. Uh, on the reverse side of that, that's a lot of passengers, foreign international passengers going out. So we also have what we call bio-exit, and we committed with the federal government that we would make all our international exiting gates biometric. 
what that does is typically you had to walk up and present your ticket and your passport to the agent to get on the aircraft. That agent had to take that, match it to you, confirm who you were, and then, you know, put you on through onto the aircraft. Uh, if you can imagine the size of a 747 aircraft, it, you know, it could take up to an hour to load that aircraft. After the first time that we did biometric exit, we loaded a 747 in 30 minutes. Wow. So what it does is it takes your picture, it clears you instantly. You don't have to get your passport out. You don't have to even get your ticket out. They know who you are. They know the manifest of the flight, and on you go. And like I said, there's no privacy concerns because we're just using the pictures that you have, or the, the federal government is. We don't actually capture them. We're just partners in it. They take that picture that's on your passport, match it up numerically. There's not even your real picture out there in any database. It's nothing you or I would recognize. But it, re it recognizes those metrics, and it, it, it instantaneously clears you and puts you on the aircraft. So your exit is also a, a much better experience here for the international passenger. I am seeing industry-wide, at least domestically in the States, because it's not, I mean, it's almost second nature now um, elsewhere, uh, with a lot more technology, as you were saying, the facial recognition, the biometrics, et cetera, that being implemented um, did it take, though, a little bit of an education or maybe getting used to? Did you were observing some of the passengers getting in, or was did it seem, because it's international, that it, it's almost, it almost felt like a second nature or it's or seamless? Like, you're taking my picture. Why? Well, let me go and if you're coming into the country, we actually had to uh, remind the uh, flight crews to keep moving because they sit there and chat and because they're used to standing in line, right? Well, there's no more time to stand in line. Everybody's got to keep moving to keep the, the flow going. So, mm -hmm. so that was a little bit of a educational to prompt people to go keep moving because they're used to more dwell time down there. Uh, on the exit, everybody seemed to take to it very naturally. And there's people up there to help you, to tell you to stand up. There's footprints down there to tell you where to stand um, and, and just stand just for a second and then walk right on. I, the, the learning curve is you don't need all your documents. Don't stop. Don't present your passport. Don't present your ticket. Get you know, just let the machine. And there's gates that'll open it. If, if it doesn't clear you, you'll step to the side, and the agent will clear you. And there's very few of those that don't clear. Uh, otherwise, you step up. It, the camera looks at you and opens the gate, and on the aircraft you go. For the most part, it's like going through security. You just go through. You stop. Well, it's much faster. Much faster. Yes. And, and, <laughs> a little better experience than going through security. No, definitely. So I want to go back a little bit, um, and you touched upon some of the changes that you guys have made. I want to would love for you to recap some of the um, the new changes that you've made within the terminals. Um, concessions is our uh, not primary focus; is one of the biggest focuses because well, it's food, retail, etc. Um, but the concessions, the design, you already touched about um, most part of the design and the artwork that's been installed. But definitely talk about any other, other work that's been done? Sure. So one of the things we try to do is keep up with the passengers' um, desires and what they're looking for when they're spending time in the terminal. So we try to keep all our concessions fresh. Because we are in such a dynamic growth period and we are adding the South Terminal, we have a master developer's uh, contract mm -hmm. that does um, retail, and then they have one food and beverage, which just happens to be Dunkin' Donuts coffee here. Well, we have kept those up and fresh. We've moved Duncan because actually we took the theme retails that were alongside the security checkpoints, moved them across the hall, and refreshed them in their brand new stores. You're going to see both of them are open now. Universal and Disney have mm -hmm. new stores with new media walls. So that's a little bit of the lift the curtain on the future for the South Terminal um, so everybody can get used to that media touch because it's with what the passenger yeah, expects definitely. today. 
So that's what we've been doing to freshen it up that allowed us to increase the capacity of our checkpoint on the west side there. So um, working with keeping the stores fresh, getting through this growth and getting through opening the terminals down in the south, that's what we've been focused on. Disney right now is working on their east store, mm -hmm. and that'll be opening soon, and that'll even be a, a bigger entrance into the future themed retail stores. Uh, the things that I notice, obviously, is because I love to eat, <laughs> are the food choices. You know, you have cask and larder, and, and um, which I can't wait to kind of try out later. But um, that's got to be exciting as well. It is. And we've always strived to try to add a local element to Orlando. So people, you know, it's not just if you're in an airport in L.A., you're in an airport in Orlando, you get the same food, right? And everything's, mm -hmm. and I won't use any names, isn't the same. So what we've done is Cask and Larder was a local fair that we've added here in the north and, and a few others. Well in recognized, the, too. Yes. And in the south, um, actually, we've got quite a number of local. All, we have three major food and beverage packages we put mm -hmm. out down there, and all of them have local flavors from uh, local brews to food and beverage. So we're trying to give you that taste of Orlando when you're here. You can experience a little of that without having to go downtown or out to Winter Park. So you're definitely feeling like you're in Orlando. Yes. <laughs> in Orlando. Um, so. Just as a side, just, uh, you know, what is your opinion of, of all the work so far? That's yeah, been done? I, it's, you know, it's Must really, be exciting, right? It is exciting. And these things start, you know, it takes a long time to do these capital plans. So we started working on these things back in 2013. So by the time you get done with maybe something like the ticket counter, it took a couple of years of planning and three years of implementation because you're working around passengers. Um, it's really exciting to watch it come in, to stand back and watch those video walls really come to life mm -hmm. and to watch the passengers' reaction to them. Because, I mean, it can excite and delight all the staff, but that's not the goal. The goal is to, uh, you know, excite and delight the passengers as they come through. And I think we've done that when, when you look at what you see here. And the fact that we've had a J.D. Powers Award two years in a row. I see them outside. I saw them when I came construction, in. While construction, you know. That, <laughs> uh, I keep telling uh, our folks here in customer service that, you know, it's because of construction that you get the J.D. Powers Award. So. <laughs> um, how long have you been with the airport? I started in 1993. So have you, so you haven't, uh, you've never seen a project of the, of the scale during your time. This is our largest project, this largest project. That, that we've done here okay. at the Authority. So there's a lot of satisfaction with seeing it from... I guess conception at first was just renderings to now when right. it's realized. Well, the, the exciting part for me, because I, I started out in engineering, construction, and work maintenance and operations, and, and that's where I'm at now as the COO. It's exciting to learn all those experience over the decades and to be able to apply them and, and help keep this airport fresh that meets the, the needs, not just the needs, but actually the expectations and exceed the expectations of the passengers that are coming through. We always want to be known as an airport that people remember, and in a good way, you know, and, and, and hold us up for comparison to anybody else. Um, my next question is, uh, I'd love to talk for you to talk about the revenue mix. Mm -hmm. um, I know, again, for AXN, we focus a lot on um, stuff within the terminal, usually concessions and such. But I know with the new facilities, I'm sure that uh, the, the mix has kind of like changed. And uh, just let me know how it's impacted the airport. So, so we have a philosophy here that um, actually the airlines, we try to make that they only carry about 25 to 30% of the overall cost of operating this airport. The rest of that, we help through concessions, through parking, through ground transportation. And so as a part of that, the overall revenue mix for our concessions is about 11% of the overall budget mm -hmm. uh, that we do here. So what that does is it makes Orlando 
very affordable because we we work on what we call a cost per plane passenger and it's not the same for every airport for example in Atlanta Atlanta has a very low cost per plane passenger but the airlines have to pay to do everything there they do it themselves here in Orlando we provide we operate the baggage systems we operate um, everything that goes on in the landside terminal so all the airlines have to do is pull up to the gate and load the baggage on and off their aircraft. We run the baggage systems, everything here. And we're in the lower 25 percentile of the nation in cost per plane passengers. So that makes it very affordable for an airline to operate here. Has your CPE kind of remained steady or has it dropped over time? Because it's, we always, we budget conservatively. So at the end of the year, when we get done, we do revenue sharing with our participating mm -hmm. airlines which they appreciate greatly. So that means excess revenues that we have, there's a formula that we share it with those airlines. Um, I think that also makes us a very popular destination for the airlines. I was going to say very so, airline friendly. Yeah, which very is airline friendly. Thing. So we, we do do that. We, we do try to keep it affordable for the airlines here. Now, with the adding of capital projects, mm -hmm. it's obviously going to go up over the next couple of years, but we've worked that with our airline partners. Um, one difference between us and most airports, we're an airport by rates uh, and resolution, which means we own and operate everything at the airport and we charge our customer, the airlines, for that. Mm -hmm. At other airports, they have a lot of say over the capital programs. Well, we decide what's best for Orlando and what's best for the airport and all the airlines. So in that frame of mind, our, you know, we control the rates and charges here. But we sit with the airlines and do that. We just finished our new rate agreement, which is going to be for five years. It starts on October 1st of this year. And it goes out five years and says, this is how we're going to calculate the rates. And they've all agreed to it. Now, you are going to see, because of all the capital program, we have a f over $4 billion capital program that we're implementing. Our rates are going to go up to, um, right now they're around 560. They're going to go up into about the $11 range. But, you know, if you compare that to Miami at around 30, we're a pretty good deal. So you mentioned your CPE, which you guys are a very carrier-friendly airport. Um, but how has that how has that impacted? I'm, I'm assuming there's a domino effect then from you guys being a gateway and, and impacting, obviously, your industries here, tourism, convention business, uh, business et cetera. Yeah, so it's not just, um, you know, friendly to the airlines. It's friendly to the passenger. It makes yeah. it more affordable to fly in and out of Orlando. Uh, for the business passengers who fly here frequently, that makes it much more attractive. We have a large convention center activity here. Um, that helps attract convention centers. Number one, they want a good airport when they're flying in, and they want to be able to easily get through there, and they also want it to be affordable because we compete with other convention centers around the nation. And then with the theme parks and the entertainment leisure side of that's here in Orlando also makes it family friendly for the vacationers, especially if you're flying in a family of five. You know, if you, if you start times in that CPE times five people, it gets to be a bit of money. So it's not just the airlines, but it helps that whole economic engine of the community to maintain and to continue to grow. Another piece that's very important, and that is direct connectivity to many locations in the United States and around the world. And that kind of goes back to the international. You can, you know, we're a portal. We have not only Kennedy Space Center here, so we could actually get you to space if you'd like, and you have the desire to do that. And we, But we also can get you to Dubai. You know, mm -hmm. we can get you to England. We can get you to South America. 
Uh, we're working on Japan right now. We're going to the That's far east. And my my next question working. was like, is there a place that you guys haven't don't have yet? That <laughs> we don't have around. Japan, and, and mm. we're working on that. Our marketing department and along with our economic development partners in Orlando and the mayors are working on that, and, and we're getting closer. You know, we, that doesn't happen overnight. Our, uh, you know, uh, director of marketing, Vicki Harmelio, will tell you that uh, marketing for airlines is a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. So we hope to have something good news on that in the next few years about having a direct flight to Japan. There's a couple of things to overcome, which is just the technology of the aircraft. That's a long distance. And like I said, you know, we, we pride ourselves in being able to provide, you know, direct destinations. So but we're working on that, uh, whether that'll be Narita or downtown Tokyo, one or the other in the near future probably. It seems, though, that with the new facilities, everything that you've upgraded, obviously being a very uh, carrier and passenger-friendly airport, it seems like the confluence of all those things makes it for a, uh, a really great environment to attract I'm not trying to, you know, sway the jury <laughs> or anything yeah. like that, but make it makes it really uh, appealing to attract those types of carriers because um, you have the user base and you have everything else uh, that's working in your favor and creating that momentum, correct? Correct. And, you know, besides having a nice facility and a customer-friendly staff, it also you have to have the business model for the airlines because it really does yeah. come down to um, how much that they can make the revenues to, uh, to fill those planes here. But we're doing a good job. We're increasing from South America regularly. We just added Israel here this summer and got a direct flight going back and forth. Dubai is doing well also. So, And then if you take the local domestic partners, especially what the consider the lower cost carriers of Frontier and Spirit and stuff, they're growing very dynamically and adding. We're uh, actually Frontier's second largest airport next to Denver. Oh, wow, that's I did not know that. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. I'm probably fast approaching, maybe. Yes, very close <laughs> the, to that. At the rate that you guys are moving. So, Stan, talk about the um, the economic impact of the airport. We hear that a lot, and a lot of airports always talk about it now as a way to just show how much of a um, community partner they are in in their cities. So just talk about the economic impact of, the, of Orlando and uh, its benefits to the community. So if you look strictly at the numbers, there's 50 million annual passengers going in and out just through the airport, not counting who's driving here or who eventually take the train here, and we're providing all those. But right now we're a $41 billion impact wow. to, to the community. So by the numbers, that's the impact that we have. But then we also want to have that cultural impact because Orlando is a very special place, and we're an extension of that special place. We're not on the fringe. We are Orlando. And Orlando is a big community around Central Florida, so we're very inclusive that, you know, whether you're going or coming, that you know not only are you in Orlando, but we're also turning to where we want to make this your personal journey. This is something that you're going to remember, whether it's through the Wi-Fi because you're using your technology or whatever you want to do. You didn't change your behavior to be in the airport. The airport modified its behavior to welcome you. Excellent. My other question um, is regards to hospitality. Uh, there aren't that many cities that I can think of in, in the United States, and I think or, I, I like to say Orlando's one. You know, we are we have an annual event. We've been in Orlando many times, and out of the many cities that where we go to, um, hospitality is obviously very very big in Orlando, and I'm assuming then that probably plays a great part in terms of the passenger experience and how your team, the staffs here, then um, make the passenger feel welcome. And it's part of the Orlando wow experience, as you called it, correct? It is. And and we start that journey, whether it's from your home somewhere else mm -hmm. in the country or your home here in Orlando, 
is we have apps that we use and, you know, on your phones that you start your communication, your journey with your with the airport. You may be at home just getting ready to make your, your journey. All the way in, through the curb, you know, we have Annie, the astronaut, out there to welcome you, to walk you, to guide you through that journey. And then once you get to your gate, to be able to entertain you, make you comfortable, you know, allow you to use whatever it is that you want to do to make your journey individual to you and, and to make that a great experience for you. My next question, I have just two more questions for you, Stan. The next one has to do with, uh, you mentioned connectivity and traffic. You know, um, I'm from South, I'm a little further south from here in South Florida. Obviously, a lot of news with the impact of the new rail connection with uh, Virgin Trains from, I believe it's going to come from Miami directly here. And you guys have a new uh, intermodal system uh, uh, building that's coming on. Is it on now? It's or? online. It it's online, online um, at the end of 2017. Okay. And just talk about, that's just yet another means of attracting traffic. By the way, bypassing one, two, three other airports around, along the way. Yeah. So uh, it's Virgin Trains now, as mm-hmm. they're called, and it does, they've built their station in downtown Miami. It's not connected directly to the airport. They will come up the East Coast up to um, Cocoa and then come across the river there along the 528 and down right alongside of our east side of the airport here on our property, right alongside the terminal. So we built that ITF with funding from the state to build the rail portion of it. We built an APM station, Automated People Mover Station. We did that because we needed the automated people mover to connect to the south terminal anyway. We needed the garage, so we built those early because parking is an issue here. We're filling up our parking garages. It's, it's hard to keep up with the demand for that, which shows you the growth in our local traffic yes. that's coming out of here. So those all opened in November of 2017, and uh, Virgin Trains has started their construction as you go up and down our roadways and out along the 528, you'll see that railroad being built. Um, and they're looking to have that open uh, probably about the first part or middle part of 2022. And that's going to be very exciting because it's a three-hour and 15-minute trip from Orlando to downtown Miami with, with the expansion of eventually to Tampa and downtown Tampa and then uh, expansion to Jacksonville. So that makes Orlando the hub. What we like about that is we're in the business of moving people to and from Orlando and over the years, as the airlines have changed their business models, the sh- what we call the short hauls, the flights from here to Miami have really dried up. There are some, but they're very few because what we call the regional jets, they're mainly out west between Denver and Utah mm-hmm. and, and places like that, Salt Lake City. Um, so there's a perfect fit here for rail, and, and we've designed it so they can go on all the way through down to Tampa. They've put their major maintenance station for all the state of Florida for Virgin Trains on our property here. So that will employ about 70 people just to stock the trains and maintain the trains. Um, I'm looking at uh, an aerial right over your shoulder behind you in, in, here in the, in the room. Um, don't know when that was taken, but are you constrained in any way? Is, is, there, are there, is there ample land? Because you guys are growing. I yeah, would... no, that was great visionary back in the 1970s, and, and we've made some acquisitions mm-hmm. since. We have over 13,000 acres of land here on the, wow. on the airport. Some of that's, you know, will be always kept for pristine mitigation. Mm-hmm. But we have plenty of room to expand. One thing I do want to make sure everybody understands, because people are sensitive about how many runways are you going to build another <laughs> runway. And, and we're very fortunate here in yes. Orlando that we have four parallel runways. And, and our winds, we don't have a crosswind issue. Mm-hmm. So as far as any planning horizon can see, this is all the runways we'll ever need. 
but we are planning the south terminal uh, piece that we're working on right now, phase one. We'll put in 19 fixed gates. It can hold up to 27 different aircraft positions, and that is the first part of Terminal C. When Terminal C is totally built out, it'll be a minimum of 60 gates. You go to the other side of the South Access Road, Jeff Freeway Boulevard down there, and you do it again. So there's 120 gates planned for the south. There's 93 gates wow. in the north today. So we're planned to go well over 100 million if that need, it needs to be. And then, not you know, things change, right? They're different than they were 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. So we designed that south terminal to expand even farther to the south behind, beyond the 120 gates I gave you. So there should be a big welcome sign for any <laughs> prospective carriers that are looking at Orlando or maybe where and forward they should be uh, you know, launching from. Well, one thing we do and, and been very good about it being fiscally responsible is we build on demand. And that's a very um, it's prudent calculating I mean, yeah. path to do because you can't build too late or you're going to lose opportunity, right? Because if you can't take them then, they won't come back. So it's a, it's a very delicate balance of when to build those new facilities. So what we do a lot of is figure out not just to build brick and mortar to add capacity, but to figure out those new way of doing things, those technologies that expand your existing facility assets and bring in, you know, take a facility yeah. from $24 million to $50 million. I mean, just, uh, you, I'm, I'm going to harp on it again, you're going to cross $50 million soon. So the pace at which you have to almost like look in your crystal ball and forecast, you know, how many more gates or how much more you need to expand, that's probably, there's not a lot of time in between because like we're, you're crossing 50 million, now you're probably thinking we got to look at the next 25 million yeah. after that and et cetera. And so we are already in the programming sense of laying out the phase two of Terminal C. Mm -hmm. We know what that looks like, so we're working along on that. So when that time comes, we're ready to go ahead and start hiring contractors and, you know, have our funding plan in place about how we would do that. But it's it's not just driven anymore on passenger count because we've gotten pretty talented at handling more passengers. It also goes on how many gates, what stage of aircraft the airlines are going to fly and what time of day they come in. So, Stan, uh, my last question for you, um, looking ahead to what is left, um, and you kind of touched upon a lot of it, but maybe put a little bit of spin, something that you're maybe excited to see <laughs> that's coming in the future. So, um, South Terminal is very exciting because it is so different than what you have seen here in the North Terminal. One of the things we're going to do, and we're going to be the first airport in the United States to do this, is we're going to flip the arrival and departure experience. So if you go to most any airport in the United States, when you depart, you go up to the top level or the third level yes. curve, right, mm -hmm. and go out. If you're picking up a passenger, you're usually on the second level or the ground level. The reason for that is baggage systems handle bags like water, the old conventional systems, which means bags flow downhill, they don't flow uphill, right? But we're using a tote system that's been used in Europe for 40 years. Um, it's just now coming into the United States. San Francisco's working on one, LA's working on one, but little portions. But we're the first to put in a fully automated tote system in the South Terminal. What that allows us to do we can move bags sideways, we can move them up and down. So when you arrive into Orlando, instead of going downstairs into that second level for your baggage or all the way down to the ground level for a federal inspection, when you get off that aircraft internationally and domestically, mm -hmm. you stay up in the sunshine. Matter of fact, when you come off an international aircraft, you're up in a glassed, sterile corridor that's above the terminal. You look down and you see the entire terminal and what's going on down there. So. As soon as you walk off that aircraft, you know you're in Orlando, mm -hmm. you're in the light, you can see the fauna and the water, 
I mean, coming into a very welcoming federal inspection station. And when you walk out with your bag, and a matter of fact, in that uh, federal inspection station, the first thing you do is get your bag, is you walk right out into the domestic bag claim out into this beautiful large terminal. As a passenger departing, you're normally just focused on getting to your gate. So we'll bring you in on the second level, and you'll walk out to your gate from there. So changing that whole dynamics and then the media. We have media screens down there that are 25 foot tall by 25 foot wide. And they're going to be interactive. And I'm not going to spoil the whole surprise for everybody in Orlando, <laughs> but we're working real hard on with, with partners in technology mm-hmm. and movies and everything that goes on that takes you and immerses you into part of that scene. So um, I'm sorry, Ms. Ledgeu, I do have one more question based on what you said. Um, are there airports out there nationally that you folks look at? Um, maybe not the whole airport. Maybe there are segments of uh, portions of airports that you would love to incorporate here. But are there airports out there you guys look at as fine models? We do yeah. on a regular basis from a customer st- standpoint and also from a facility standpoint. And there's not just one. We try to take the best of the best from everybody and look at how they do things. If one of the things we do, it just kind of falls out this way. If you look at the European style, they're very into the technology and the mechanical and how to make it, you know, user-friendly. You just do it yourself. If you go to Asia, it's all about the human touch, the human interaction. So we try to combine both of those yeah. things, technology and that customer service part, and, and look at everything that people are doing, and we look at, at what people think is right and not right. One of the biggest things we've added over the last couple of years is a social media department, mm-hmm. and because we want to listen to our customers. And if you listen to the tweets, you'll hear what your customers are saying. So. Actually, executive staff every Friday sits down and goes through the social media buzz of what's going on, what's being said, what do people like, what don't they like, and Mm -hmm. that drives a lot of what we're doing, and and, and we watch that around the entire world. Well, Stan, that's all I have. Again, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me. Thank you. Thank you.